Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Sandspans Radio, Australia's only five-thumbed podcast network. This is News Fighters. The news, so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. Yes, hello, fighters. Dylan Bain here. Welcome to News Fighters for today, April the fifteenth, twenty twenty-one. News Fighters is where I take a comedic look at the big stories of the week in Australian news, media, and political hypocrisy. Coming up on today's show, we look back at Australia's hilariously befuddled COVID nineteen vaccine rollout. Put the popcorn on now. Okay, but first. Onto the horrible, dreadful, and terrible news from the British royal family. And no, I'm not talking about Harry and Meghan launching a new podcast. One of the things my husband and I have always talked about is our passion for meeting people and hearing their stories. Ah, make it stop. No, no, no. Of course, I'm talking about this. We're interpreting that story to bring you breaking news. Buckingham Palace has just announced His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, died earlier today. Yes, Prince Philip, the husband of the Queen, died at 99 last week. You know the Queen. She's the person we've never voted for who's our head of state and whose face is on all our money for some reason. And if you're wondering what that is, money's like FPOS, but paper and metal. Ask your parents. Uh, anyway, that was how the ABC interrupted programming uh, with the news. Uh, here's how the BBC did over in the UK. We are interrupting our normal programs to bring you an important announcement. You're watching BBC News from London. A short while ago, Buckingham Palace announced the death of His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. In a statement, the palace said, it is with deep sorrow that Her Majesty the Queen announces the death of her beloved husband, His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Yes, it was all very professional, faultless and very well managed over at the BBC, which was quite surprising given that 
Ever since they automated away their studio camera operators, things don't always go so smoothly. Good morning. Welcome to BBC Newsroom Live. I'm Joanna Gosling. The Hello. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, the European Union. Well, I'm not sure if I can... Right, I'm going to walk around and pick you up on another camera, I think. Hello, everybody. This is Afternoon Live. I've lost you. I shall make my way uh, back to the desk, I think. Good evening and welcome to BBC News. I'm Martine Croxall. It's nine o'clock. I'm just going to move back to the uh, main set. I know this has happened before. Our little friend, the robotic cameras, they have a habit of doing things on their own. And also, thank goodness that at the time, the BBC didn't have on air their newsreader who doesn't know how to take pauses. You know, this guy. This is BBC World News. I'm Jonathan Charles, kept hidden for almost two decades and forced to bear children. The sudden death left news crews around the world scrambling to film Vox Pops with people on the street. But of course, because of the pandemic... The only people out on the street raged under 80 and seemed to have no idea about the life of Prince Philip. He did a lot of cool stuff. He had some funny opinions and said some pretty outrageous things. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that really miss him. I guess it's, uh, it's always going to be topic of conversation to people. It's, um, like a lot of people have said, he was, he's been around for so long, you sort, of, sort of grew up with him, didn't you? He lived to be 99. He had a very sort of... Uh, uh, eventful life and I think people should celebrate his life. Hello man on the street, I'm a news journalist. Do you know anything about Prince Philip who just died? It's the Queen's husband. No? Nothing at all? Okay, perfect. Into this camera on three, two, one. Yes, nothing says the monarchy remains a relevant and important institution than nobody under the age of 50 literally knowing anything about the longest serving royal concert of all time. Oh. Moving stuff. One of my favourite Vox Pop subjects was this guy. No one ever gets to reach 99. Yes, nobody has ever reached the age of 99 before in the history of the world. Oh, Prince Philip, what an achiever. Now, of course, uh, typically the eight days of official mourning for Prince Philip has overlapped exactly with when uh, the UK was reopening pubs. And there was no way a little royal death was going to stop this guy from having a pint. I'll be in mourning until Saturday when he's buried. But what do you think he would think of people moping around on a lovely day like this? He wouldn't consider this moping at all. This is quite productive. They've got off of their backsides, they've gone out, they've done something. Even if that something is only to support British industry, like the brewers. Cheers. So now with the passing of His Royal Highness Prince Philip and the public outpouring of extensive news coverage coming to an end. Perhaps his biggest legacy, now that he's gone, will be that all around the country, people will finally stop asking, who's Prince Philip again? Wait, the Queen's husband? Shouldn't he be king? Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, now on to the biggest Australian news story of the week. Our bad job at jabs. Well, there was good news and there was bad news on the vaccine front today. Oh, oh, can I guess? Is the good news that everyone who gets a vaccine gets a free Tim Tam Slam? Because that'd be awesome. Oh, no, wait, I think there's only bad news. Good evening. Australia's vaccine rollout is tonight in chaos. Fears of deadly blood clots have left the vaccine strategy in tatters. We are being left behind. That's the warning after the Prime Minister threw out the original vaccination timeline, with experts now saying it could be two years before we all get a jab. Okay, so with there being new blood clot fears with the AstraZeneca jab, our vaccine rollout is in massive disarray. And after it's been going so well so far. Australia has fallen considerably short of reaching its target of 4 million coronavirus vaccinations by today. With the government website crashing. The Trade Minister will now be deployed to Europe to chase up the missing AstraZeneca shipment, some 3 million doses. Scott Morrison needs to explain why Australians will continue to have access to fewer vaccine options than any other comparable country in the world. 20 million extra doses of Pfizer won't be here before October. The clinic forced to source the vaccine from a local hospital after the Commonwealth supply didn't turn up last Friday. Aged care homes are one of the highest priorities for vaccinations. Most aged care residents are yet to get a visit. Some Sydney clinics have uh, expected delivery by now and haven't received it yet. We absolutely know of one that, uh, where it was delivered to the wrong side. At this Bondi Junction clinic, they've got the demand and the doses. Trouble is, the delivery didn't include the syringes. Just this morning, it was told next week's delivery of doses has been cancelled with no explanation. While a shipment of the Pfizer vaccine for South Australia has been wrongly sent to WA. Yes, regular listeners of the podcast will notice that montage keeps getting longer every week, and I'm determined to keep adding to it until it takes up an entire episode. Yeah, Australia's lack of vaccines means that the government is starting to sound like Neville Bartos in the movie Chopper. There's no vaccines here. 
Here, there's no... Vaccines. All right? Vaccines. No, Robbo? Now, I'm really scratching my head about where all this went wrong. I mean, last year, Scott Morrison proudly declared that Australia was at the front of the queue. What we've been able to reach today to put Australia in, 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 the, in the leading pack when it comes to vaccines being made available to our citizens. Getting Australia at the front of the pack when it comes to vaccines. We're right in the, in, in the lead pack on this. We have a front row seat. We are at the front of the queue. So we're right in the, in the front of the pack here on this. Yes, like an old man at the Woolies deli counter. We're at the front of the queue, but looks like we forgot to take a number and now we're just shouting out it's our turn while the rest of the world goes ahead of us. And remember last year when Scott Morrison also said that, don't worry, we've diversified our vaccines portfolio in case one falls over. We're certainly not putting all our eggs in one basket here. We have not put all our eggs in the one basket. We have diversified our strategy. It's funny because if you look in the basket now, all that's in there is an IOU from AstraZeneca for 3.1 million eggs with no delivery date. And also remember earlier this year when Scott Morrison said we'd all be fully vaccinated by October? Our aim is to offer all Australians the opportunity to be vaccinated by October. And then remember in March when things started looking a bit shaky, he said, oh, whoops, did I say fully vaccinated by October? No, I meant you get your first jab by the end of October. We have remained on track for the first doses of uh, all of the vaccines by the end of October. They'll receive their first dose by the end of October. And then remember last week when the government said, oh, whoops, did I say October? I meant by the end of the year. No, whoops, sorry, I meant no fixed date at all. The PM says it won't set a new target, but today his trade minister did. That's the goal that we've set is to try and have uh, all Australians uh, have a dose by, by the end of the year. Before his health minister stepped it back. There's been no change in our position, as the Prime Minister said, and uh, our goal is to ensure that every Australian is vaccinated as early as possible. Yes, as early as possible. The government is being more vague and non committal than a stroppy teenager. Hey, Dad, I'm just going to a party. When will you be home, son? Uh, as early as possible. I mean, a 16-year-old kid going out partying can't get away with this kind of behaviour, but somehow it's all right for our government to be super vague and non-committal when it comes to, you know, vaccinating us against a deadly pandemic that's killed millions around the world. And now, just like a stoned contestant on Millionaire Hot Seat, Scott Morrison can't give any answer. The Prime Minister's no longer able to provide a firm deadline for when all Australians will be offered the vaccine. When the rest of the country will be vaccinated, now far from certain. We're not in a position at the moment to reconfirm a timetable. I mean, geez, I'm just making a dumb comedy podcast in my spare time, but even I try and stick to some kind of a deadline every week, give or take a day. Sorry, this week's episode was late. I mean, and I'm not curing anybody of anything except for their hunger for finely written incisive satire and wacky clips. Uh, so how did Scott Morrison announce that they've scrapped all their targets this week? He scrapped vaccination targets in a social media post. The Prime Minister making a statement to his social media followers instead of facing questions from journalists. Ah, uh, yes, Scott Morrison announced it in a Facebook post. You know, social media, you know that thing Scott Morrison recently said is destroying the world and can't be trusted? Uh, that one. I'm deeply troubled by the way that social media is corroding respect and dignity in how we all deal with each other. Don't go to Facebook to find out about the vaccine. Go to official government websites. Yes, don't trust Facebook, except when I release things on Facebook. Please go to Facebook now. Facebook is awesome. No, no, not the Labor meme pages, though. Please ignore them. And as for what all this means, well... 
Professor Stephen Duckett of the Grattan Institute told the ABC 730 that this could be a worrying sign. I suspect that means they don't have a plan because you can't develop a plan with no targets. So they either have a secret plan and secret targets or no targets at all and no plan at all. Yes, no plan at all. I mean, geez, even Cousin Larry on the classic 90s sitcom Perfect Strangers always managed to have a plan. Cousin Larry booked another party for me without telling me. Larry? Well, don't worry. I have oh, God. a plan. Belky, I have oh, God. a plan. I have oh, oh, God. a plan. I tried to get that on a Chaser show once and they wouldn't have it, so that one's for me. And, and if you're wondering, uh, no, I won't tell you how long it took me to find those clips for a very outdated joke no one gets but me and wasn't very funny. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, and hey, fun fact, I checked online and it turns out that uh, everyone on the fictional island of Mipos that Balky comes from is actually going to get vaccinated before all us Australians will. Oh, speaking of which, how is Australia going globally? Australia is falling further behind. Less than 5% of Australians have had their first jab. Compare that to the United States, which has now reached more than 57% and the European Union at almost 22%. Now that puts us at number 91 in the world for the speed of the rollout, just behind Nepal and Jordan. So I went online and checked the US uh, vaccination criteria and it turns out the New York subway pizza rat is going to be eligible for a vaccine well before I am. Yes, the Australian rollout is such a disaster that even Labor leader Anthony Albanese managed to land this vicious takedown of the government. This government couldn't run a choco vine up a back fence. Yeah, good one, Albo. You really got him that time. I'm sure everyone in Australia is completely aware of what speed choco plants grow at, you outdated inner West Gen X dad, you. Okay, so what caused these targets to be abandoned? Well, Australia was going to be heavily reliant on the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine as we can manufacture it locally, but 3 million doses from overseas never turned up to kickstart the rollout. And then last week, this happened. Regulators say people aged under 50 should avoid taking the AstraZeneca drug because of a small chance it could cause blood clots. Experts reviewed a possible link between having the AstraZeneca vaccine and a rare type of brain blood clot. Okay, brain blood clots sound pretty serious, but... What are the chances of someone actually getting these? Relatively tiny, compared to the risk of deep vein thrombosis from the contraceptive pill. The chance of death is put at one in a million. Critics say you're more likely to die scuba diving, under an anaesthetic, riding a motorbike, swimming in a pool, even giving birth. If you know what to look for, and you get to the hospital, the risk of death is so much lower, infinitesimally lower than hopping in a car. Geez, if I'd have known that, I never would have driven to my uh, scuba dive last weekend. I must really have a death wish. Oh, and then there's this scary stat. The blood clots have been seen in about one in every 200,000 people, which translates to a 0.0005% chance of you getting one. To put that in perspective, about one in every 1,000 Australians, or 0.1%, is at risk of developing a blood clot known as deep vein thrombosis every year, even without the vaccine. Jesus, this government really needs to hurry up and and get us vaccinated before we all get blood clots from sitting around and doing nothing all year. Yes, in fact, the uh, risks are so low that the government believes it's still okay for under-50s to get AstraZeneca, provided we just 
give consent that we're aware of the risks. There is no ban or prohibition on the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine across the adult population. There is a recommendation for a preference. From Monday, eligible people under 50 can choose to get the vaccine after giving updated consent. Yes, and in response, New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller has said, hey, I have an idea for a consent app you may be interested in. It was originally uh, for something else, but but people didn't like it. In fact, the risks from AstraZeneca are so low that the Prime Minister has said he's happy uh, for those uh, close to him to get it, including his mum. The AstraZeneca vaccine is a life-saving vaccine, and particularly for vulnerable Australians. That's why I want my mum to get it, and that's why I want your mum to get it, and your dad, and your uncle, and your aunt, or your brother, your sister. Your butcher, your baker, your drummer. It makes no difference what group you're in. We're all unvaccinated people. I apologise for singing. Yes, Scott Morrison's uh, always been confident in the uh, AstraZeneca jab. I mean, last August he said he'd be happy to get it. Weren't um, tempted uh, by the Russian uh, vaccine? To do that. <laughs> uh, no, I think we'll go with AstraZeneca. <laughs> Really I think we'll it. stick with AstraZeneca. Okay. <laughs> so, of course, when it was his turn to get vaccinated in February, he got the Pfizer one. The first Pfizer jabs were dispensed to a handful of the most vulnerable, those on the front line, and to inspire confidence, Australia's chief nurse and prime minister. The PM saying it's not queue jumping, but confidence building. What we're demonstrating today is our confidence. I am supremely confident. Yes, and nothing builds confidence like jumping to the front of the queue for the expensive imported vaccine that most Aussies weren't probably going to get anyway. Good job. Yes, Scott Morrison is the kind of a guy who turns up at your dinner party with a $3 bottle of Aldi wine and then drinks your imported French champagne all night, you know, to build confidence in the $3 bottle of Aldi wine. But finally, in some good news, uh, this week the federal government uh, has decided that something has to change. The Prime Minister says he wants to meet with premiers twice a week for the foreseeable future. And now we have some idea what they'll be talking about, with Scott Morrison flagging a new way to deliver vaccines. Ah, yes, a new way. Well, I hope it's something completely new, like something nobody's ever thought of before. Like maybe if they can figure out a way to deliver COVID vaccines via, say, the TV airwaves, that way we'll manage to have the entire nation vaccinated before the first commercial break on Married at First Sight. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese managed to viciously nail Scott Morrison for wanting more meetings to sort out this debacle. And as Scott Morrison, we'll, we'll meet them on the beaches, we'll meet them on the phone hookups. That's his idea of war footy. Yeah, nailed it, Albo. You're on fire this week. Never stop. No, but seriously, though, when they say they have a new way to deliver vaccines, you'll never believe what they thought of. After repeatedly steering clear of talk of mass vaccination centres, the Prime Minister today said they'll be on the table on Monday. The Prime Minister has indicated that millions of people should now expect to get their COVID jab at mass vaccination centres instead of GPs or pharmacies. Yes, mass vaccination centres, you know, like the whole rest of the world is doing to immunise everyone very quickly. Ah, oh, where did they think of that one? Look, at the end of the day, let's just stand back and have some perspective. Thankfully, we have the pandemic pretty much under control here. Australia just had our first COVID death in almost six months, which, although it was sad, still shows we're achieving amazing things here compared to the rest of the world. And even though we're about to head into winter, 
the chances of more outbreaks, border closures and lockdowns is non-existent. Because, you know, at least we have all our frontline hotel quarantine staff and uh, medical workers immunised. Right, South Australia? 15% of our state's medi-hotel workforce have not received their jab, nearly two months after the vaccine rollout began. 15% of medi-hotel workers either haven't had the jab or are refusing to get it. SA Health says it isn't mandatory. It's a matter of having those discussions with people who may be a little bit concerned about the vaccine and explaining this is a very safe vaccine. Ah, what the hell, South Australia? You're putting the entire nation at risk of more outbreaks by letting unvaccinated workers literally be at the front line of our defences. Oh, anyways, that's all the time I've got for this week. If you'll excuse me, I have an interstate holiday booked for this afternoon and I also have to go and buy about 200 rolls of toilet paper because if this pandemic has taught me one thing. It's that COVID-19 moves faster than a... Choco vine up a back fence. That's News Fighters for today. News Fighters is written, presented and produced by me, Dylan Bain, for Sans Pants Radio. To support the show and hear ad-free episodes, subscribe to Sans Pants Plus at sanspantsradio.com slash plus or buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash newsfighters don't forget to follow and subscribe on your podcasting apps as well as on youtube twitter and facebook that's all for this week join us next week keep fighting and bye for now this is news fighters where we fight the news so you don't have to cheers tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.